Welcome back to Via the Source, where you can get news about the entire NFL and, of course, the Miami Dolphins. Fins up. Here's Steven, your host. What's up, guys? Today's date is September 13th. I'm Steven Masso. As always, you're listening to Via the Source. Now, in today's episode, we're going to be going over my recap and my takeaways from the Dolphins' regular season opener. But I want to say before that, usually by this point, I'm able to watch the game a second time. Either the All-22 film's out or uh, the condensed film is out on NFL Game Pass. I'm very disappointed that they're kind of not living up to their typical standard of having it ready. I was still able to watch it a second time, but it was a lot more difficult you know, to find the specific plays and the different angles that I was looking for. So So if that hurt the quality in any sort of way, I apologize, but just keep that in mind. Apparently, they're going to work on getting that uh, ready by next week's games, but you know, it really did bug me for this week. But to get right into it, the Miami Dolphins defeated the New England Patriots by a score of 17 to 16 on Sunday afternoon, their second win in Foxborough since 2008. The Dolphins were able to squeeze away with the division win. Again, it was on the road, all while not playing their best football, to be honest. The game could have easily gone the way of the Patriots, and some may argue that it should have, but at the end of the day, a win is a win. The Miami Dolphins are now 1-0 in 2021. The Dolphins came out red hot in this game. They were slicing through the Patriots' defense with absolute ease. They capped off an 80-yard drive with a 3-yard touchdown where Tua held onto the ball on an option play, was able to jog it into the end zone, but after that moment, the offense's consistency completely dissipated. There were a handful of good moments offensively where it appeared they would find their stride again, but the moments in between that were eerily similar to the dysfunctional moments of last season. The defining moments of this game came in the fourth quarter. The Dolphins were holding on to a one-point lead. Tua was forced to leave the pocket in order to avoid the pressure, throwing a deep pass downfield while off balance, and also taking a massive hit afterwards. After a few bobbles from tight end Mike Kosicki and Albert Wilson, it was intercepted by Patriots' Jonathan Jones, The Patriots then took over and promptly began making their way into Miami territory. They reached Miami's 11-yard line, and that's when running back Damian Harris took a run inside. Cornerback Xavier Howard was able to knock the ball loose, and not only that, but also recover the fumble himself, ending a Patriots drive that was in range for what would have been a chip-in field goal for the lead. After a few more plays, including a 13-yard reception by Devontae Parker, quarterback Jacoby Brissett entered the game for an obvious quarterback sneak on a third and one. Brissett got the yardage needed and the Dolphins escaped Foxborough with the win. Sigh of relief. Again, the Dolphins are 1-0. So let's take a deeper look at this game and first we'll begin with Tua. I think he had a decent performance at best. It was an average game. There were some aspects where he looked good and there were some aspects where he was definitely below average. He would finish his game 16 for 27, 202 yards, one touchdown, one interception and that one rushing touchdown as well. Tua looked good in the same areas that we've seen him thrive before. His placement on slants, especially to Devontae Parker, were near perfect, I thought, including this 123-yard throw into a tight window where he appeared to look the defender off in Jalen Waddle's direction in the flats, causing the defender to bite and create what would be a little momentary small window to throw it through, and that was awesome to see. Again, no all-22 film, which is a bummer, but I'm pretty sure that's 
what it looked like. And then, important to note here, the pass blocking for Tua in this game was far from great, which forced him to avoid pressure through the entire course of this game. So seeing his mobility in this one just in general was pretty impressive as New England boasts one of the more difficult fronts in football. Now, as for some of the bad stuff, I mentioned that first interception that Tua had where he apparently wanted to throw the ball out of bounds. It ended up staying in play and ended up getting picked off. But he had another play that kind of mirrored that one that I mentioned that was a near interception as he was running away from the pressure, made an ill-advised throw downfield, and it was dropped by the Patriots defender. Now, another little stat here is that Tua currently leads the NFL in a stat with the highest air yards differential or AYD, and that is per NFL's next-gen stats. So you might be wondering, well, what the heck is AYD? It's defined as a calculation by subtracting the passer's average intended air yards from his average completed air yards. This stat indicates if he is on average attempting deep passes more than he is on average completing them. So you may be saying, okay, that told me absolutely nothing. So I'll try to further explain it. Uh, Tua was in the top six in average air yards per attempt, which means he was throwing the ball further down the field than most quarterbacks this week. However, he had the 10th lowest completed air yards, meaning the passes that he was completing were short. So in all, you have Tua throwing the ball deeper downfield, but the passes he's completing were on average more short than most quarterbacks. So another stat that kind of reinforces this and brings it all home was that Tua was 3 for 12 on passes that traveled 10 yards beyond the line of scrimmage. And I really want to say, I'm not trying to cherry pick stats that make Tua Tua look bad or I'm not trying to bash him in any sort of way. I'm just kind of finding stuff that's relevant even if it's not the greatest things to hear about just because I think it accurately portrays. It can kind of tell us why certain things looked a certain way. Again, I'm not on some sort of Tua hate train and I think this is kind of indicative more of a bigger problem which is the offensive line which I will talk about later on in this episode. So to get into some of the receivers here, I think it's good that we start with rookie Jalen Waddle, who had a very strong outing in his NFL regular season debut. He recorded his first professional touchdown. It was a three-yard touchdown reception where he dove for the pylon for the score, but he also had this huge 36-yard reception where he beat his man, made a terrific leaping grab. We saw in the preseason that the Dolphins weren't going to shy away from using him early on, but the absence of Will Fuller, who again is suspended, could have bolstered that even more. Now, Waddle did have one mistake. He had a pretty big drop on a third down play. He was able to get wide open, get a ton of separation what would have been an easy first down he dropped the pass aside from that though a very clean performance from Waddle whose unique athletic ability really gives him a chance to have an instant impact for this team it will be interesting to monitor his usage and how much volume he gets after the return of Will Fuller though now receiver Devontae Parker led the team in receiving in this one and I think many people have been too quiet to praise Parker for this game Parker had 81 yards receiving in this one and frankly he would have had over over 100 if JC Jackson hadn't had a great pass breakup on a deep pass over the middle. But Parker came down with this acrobatic leaping catch near the sideline and was able to get both feet in bounds. When Parker is having good days, he flashes just true elite wide receiver one potential. It's only a matter of whether he can string it together for a full season like he did in 2019. But considering that he was up against a guy in 
J.C. Jackson, who many people put in that category of being an elite cornerback. It's good to see Devontae Parker once again wreaking havoc in opposing secondaries. Love seeing that. As I mentioned before, J.C. Jackson, uh, in his four out of the last five games without Stephon Gilmore, he surrendered over 70 yards in pass coverage. He was chirping quite a bit after the game about how Tua is not able to make reads. I think it's crazy for J.C. Jackson to be talking in that way, especially after a loss, and especially after considering he didn't even look too good in this game in particular. Now, a bit surprising here was that tight end Mike Gesicki's lack of production. Gesicki finishes game without a single catch, unable to reel in either of his two targets, and then receiver Albert Wilson also finishes game without a reception after being targeted twice as well. There was one play, though, where he beat his man, Jalen Mills, over the top, and he appeared to be in prime position for a potential long touchdown reception, but Mills was able to save New England when he laid out fully outstretched to deflect the pass at the very last minute. A lot of people are saying whether Tua could have placed it better. It looked like maybe Albert Wilson slowed down a little bit, so there is maybe a slight margin for the throw to have been better, but at that point, I think the throw was good. It was just a great play by Jalen Mills. I'm not going to say that Tua missed on that one play. Now, Miles Gaskin was the team's primary running back as expected. He had a respectable outing, nine carries for 49 yards, which is 5.4 yards per carry, and then he also added five catches for 27 yards. It appears that this is a good estimate for what Gaskin's volume will be, or what his floor will be in terms of volume, I should say, as Ackman and Brown were definitely involved in this game, but I think Gaskin is just the clear consensus number one back for this team. Simon Ackman, though, did have a few moments to shine as a receiving back in this game. Two catches for 24 yards, including a nice 18-yard reception along the sideline. He was able to show his electric yards after the catch ability, but overall, I still think Gaskin is just the guy to have in this offense if you're thinking fantasy football, and I liked what I saw from Malcolm Brown, but again, fantasy football-wise, he's not somebody that should be touching your lineup anytime soon. Now, the offensive line here was the Dolphins' biggest question mark heading into this game, and frankly, they really did struggle in this one. Tackle Jesse Davis was getting beat badly, including on that one interception by Tua. He was on the floor within seconds of the snap, and then Tua was running for his life. Now, there was another play where tackle Liam Eichenberg, who overall had a decent performance, I thought, outside of a few plays, but there was one where the Patriots' Josh Uche slammed Eichenberg into the core of the earth. It was completely disheartening to see at first, but after watching it again, it appears that Eichenberg ended up tripping on Solomon Kinley's leg while he was moving backwards. But again, after I saw that the first time, I was like, all footage of this has to be erased from existence. Nobody can see what just happened. I really didn't think it was possible to slam somebody that big into the ground. Now, Solomon Kinley was able to create some nice gaps in the running game early on, but there were a handful of plays where he too was beat badly, either in pass coverage or there was a screen to Gaskin where he just couldn't find anybody to lay a block on. And that was kind of the whole narrative for this offensive line. If you had somebody do good, if you had Solomon Kinley uh, block good on one play, Jesse Davis will get beat badly. If Jesse Davis did good, you would have Eichenberg or you'd have Kinley just give up and uh, give up a huge play. So it seems like they just couldn't string together a series of snaps where they were all on the same page or they were all able to, able to keep their man in front of them. Now, we move on here to the defensive side of the ball. Defensively, the game started on a very, very rough note for Miami. Running back Damian Harris took off on a 35-yard run on the very first play of the game. Harris was used heavily in this one, finishing the game 23 carries for 100 yards. Now, based on the stats, it would 
would appear that Miami struggled to stop the run, but most of that damage was limited to the first half and to that one carry. Harris had 11 carries for 72 yards in the first half, an average of 6.5 yards per carry. But in the second half, the Dolphins held Damian Harris to 28 yards on 12 carries, and that is an average of only 2.3 yards per carry. And of course, they also had that fumble at the end. Now, safety Eric Rowe was able to shift the momentum in Miami's favor very early on in this game when he forced a fumble on rookie running back Ramondre Stevenson and then rookie safety Javon Holland later in the game laid a massive hit on Jonu Smith that sent a 250 pound tight end flipping over. Smith lost the ball on that play but New England was able to recover and then safety Brandon Jones had a play where he was able to break through New England's edge which allowed Zach Sealer to swallow up the runner for a huge tackle for a loss. So you had several great plays here coming from the Dolphins safeties and to get into Mac Jones for a little bit before Mac Jones's first touchdown though we have to talk about one play Dolphins linebacker Landon Roberts was able to rip through the offensive line for a huge sack but after the play it was determined that Roberts hit was too low on the quarterback the sack was then removed and Roberts was instead penalized for roughing the passer this call became of course as you know controversial as Roberts was already falling down though and the only thing that Roberts could have done was go for the legs because he was falling down. So I'm not a huge fan of that play. I think defensive players are already in a position where they are extremely restricted and this was just a perfect example of that. Roberts' only option at that play was to either avoid Jones completely or make a play on the quarterback which would involve going for the legs. I'm not sure what Roberts was supposed to do in that situation. Adding a penalty on top of that is just insult to injury. So after that play, the drive would continue and Mac Jones would get his first touchdown. He would find Nelson Aguilar. Linebacker Andrew Van Ginkle would try to hustle back and make the play on him, but he was sent sliding when Aguilar made a quick turn. Now, I will say, though, as a whole, Mac Jones did play pretty well for a rookie. He helped the Patriots convert 11 of their 16 third down opportunities. Jones was releasing the ball quick. He would finish the week with the sixth quickest average time to throw in the league in all 181 of his 281 yards came on passes that were shorter than 10 yards so again he was getting rid of the ball quick the pressure was in his face and he was throwing to guys who weren't that far away his safety valves Jacoby Myers James White Nelson Aguilar they weren't deep passes typically he was just making quick reads and throwing short routes now outside of Xavier Howard the next star that stood out to me here for Miami defensively was Emmanuel Ogba he would finish the day three tackles one tackle for a loss and a pass deflection but the stat line I don't really think shows how impactful he was in this game especially in the second half Ogba was able to dominate the man across from him and he was a huge reason why Jones was forced to get rid of the ball so quickly it also appeared that the referees were reluctant to call holding penalties when Ogba was up against his man but overall I think this was an impressive showing that will foreshadow some great things to come from Ogba this season and then linebacker Jerome Baker he returned to form as the team's tackle machine leading the Dolphins with 12 total tackles while he didn't have any tackles for losses or he didn't have any uh, you know huge flashy plays in this game he was largely responsible for containing James White when Jones would dump it underneath now I will say he didn't do terrific in coverage uh, Jones did connect on a dime of a throw over the head of Jerome Baker to White which resulted in a gain of 26 but I'm glad to 
to see Jerome Baker back to leading the team in tackles. Now, to get into my takeaways from this game, the first takeaway I have here is the Dolphins' bend but don't break defensive approach is scary, but it works. The Dolphins' defense didn't look spectacular as a whole, but when it mattered, they made plays. They held the Patriots to one of four on trips to the red zone, including that late game fumble to seal the game. Last year, I remember thinking the same thing. I was thinking there's no way that this is sustainable but yet it was. So with that in mind, I will resist the urge to worry about this approach and just trust the Dolphins defense will maintain the high turnover rate. Now, the next takeaway that I have here is that we won't see the offense take a next step until the offensive line improves. Entering this season, myself and others were optimistic this young group would progress beyond being some average at best unit. And while they still can, it's definitely still in the future for them, it's clear that they are not quite there yet. It's hard to imagine Tua being able to throw for 300 yards consistently or the Dolphins having another 100-yard rusher with the offensive line in its current state. There were instances like a third and five play in the first half where the Patriots just sent three men and the offensive line could not handle it and they were just blown back on that. It's plays like that where I get extremely discouraged, but hopefully the Patriots are just one of the tougher matchups they will face all season and they could progress a little bit more but overall they need to do something to figure it out because I am worried about this group. My next takeaway here is that Mac Jones had a really good debut that is both good and bad for Dolphin fans to hear. Of course it's never good to hear that the rookie in your division came out of the gates looking good but I really do think that Jones played well and not every quarterback the Dolphins face will be as composed as Jones was when he was faced with pressure. I think back to games like the Chargers with Justin Herbert or the Rams with Jared Goff last year. When I say that, the Dolphins defense is primed for some elite performances this year, but props have to be given for how Mac Jones handled the pressure in this game, and I don't think even some veterans are going to fare as well when they face a Dolphins defense. Now, my last takeaway from this game is don't panic when it comes to Tua. You are going to hear a ton of headlines in the national media about how Mac Jones played better than Tua. I'm not sure that's the case. Of course, the offensive line was the main issue here. And in a week where you had Aaron Rodgers look absolutely abysmal, you had Josh Allen struggle, you had Justin Herbert have an average at best performance. I can't see any sort of reason to single out Tua in this instance and say that he had a bad week because he did not have a bad week. He had an average week and that is completely fine when you look at some of the other elite guys around the league and how they fare. It's normal for guys not to be absolutely electric in every single performance they have. And I will say, the Dolphins came out here on the road, a tough matchup for them historically, and it's not like they won in spite of Tua. They won with Tua still having a pretty significant role in the reason they came away with the W in this game. Anybody who tries to paint this as Tua came out here and looked absolutely terrible, I think is wrong. He didn't have the best performance. It's normal. It's fine. He'll do better in other games and then maybe there will even be some where he looks the same as he did in this one but right now definitely too early to panic but guys that is how I'm going to wrap up today's episode if there's anything you think I missed anything you want me to talk about in a future episode of course when that all 22 drops I might even have to go back and take a harder look and have another episode before we get into the preview for next week's game so stay tuned for that Again, if you haven't followed me on Twitter yet, that's at ShadySteven and at via the 
source. That's where you can reach me with any questions or topics you want me to discuss. As always, if you enjoy the episode, please leave a review on the Apple Podcast app. It would help a lot. But guys, that is how I'm going to wrap up today's episode. Until next time, I'm Steve Amasso, and this was Via the Source.